Hello and welcome to 361, a weekly podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name's Ben Smith. I'm Rafe Blanford. And I'm Ewan McLeod. This is Season 15, Episode 1. We're back and it's time for a smart home update. Ewan loves IKEA light bulbs. Ben praises voice interfaces. And Rafe's bought the wrong battery. Welcome back, chaps. How are you doing? Season 15. Yes. I'm doing very well, thank you, Ben. Okay, so I am joined by Rafe Blanford and Ewan McLeod. Welcome. And uh, for new listeners, apparently there are some new listeners, and at least one of them has written in to say, uh, what is this? And that's a fair question. And I, mm. I'm quite keen to find out myself as well, having spent an inordinate amount of time doing this. 15 seasons, 150 episodes, uh, and excluding specials. So uh, what I first of all I noticed, you McLeod, is that you're not here in the room with us doing nope. the recording anymore. So where no, are you? What's going on? That's very sad. Well, indeed, indeed. But I am coming down the line. That's the phrase, down the line, I, the technical term from Copenhagen, Denmark. Mm. Hello, I good moved. In, oh, oh, very good. Good morning. Good morning. That, that's all I can do. <laughs> um, it, it is, I, it's the evening in, in both our time zones. Because if, well, we, just, if, if we ask you what the weather's like, what's the weather like, Ewan? Well, I, okay, 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 okay. I have been getting letters about this or emails. I used to say it was dark because that was my <laughs> my, my only instinct because it, and what, in, what in the Nordics, we, what, it does get very dark. And what have very we learned quickly. from your listener feedback? Indeed, uh, dark is not a weather type. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Fair, so fair point. Dark fair point. So it has been very rainy, <laughs> very rainy. Um, and by the way, just in case you're wondering, I moved to Copenhagen halfway through, I think, season 14 uh, to take up a role with a Nordic bank. A role with a Nordic bank. There you okay. go. Lovely. Uh, yes. And um, a ham roll. <laughs> and <I can't, laughs> boom, boom. Can't help noticing that uh, ever since you've moved to Copenhagen to take up this exciting new lifestyle, that the old executive hair has uh, taken a turn for the better as well. Right. Yes, thank you, thank you, and you can you can see this I think on the on the video that we have here. This is it's very very expertly shorn, shorn um, exactly uh, by Stephen is my stylist. Lovely, and uh, you do have to have smart hair in the Nordics. I have realised. And uh, why and no other podcast covering this subject, Rafe Blanford? It's a, that the hair <laughs> you need to work in the Nordic banking sector. Is, I did not know that before this podcast. No, that's a learning point. And, and for anyone who's following along at home, that'll be in the show notes that you can cut, I, cut out and keep. I need to point out that no one, I, I don't think I have seen unkempt hair. You know, there's, there's one or two developers who obviously, yeah, fine. But off, off the, the various different executives and my colleagues, the, the, the hair is, is really kempt very well. Certainly, it's a, provi- providing me some life goals with the old executive hair. So Rafe Blanford is sitting yeah. next to me. We are on Brick Lane, or at least above Brick Lane in London's bustling uh, East we End. about 12 feet above it, in fact. Yes, we are on a bridge. So if, if, you're, if you're trying to picture us, we're, we're on a building that goes over Brick Lane. Uh, Near the brewery. Near the brewery, uh, yeah. home to some of the best and indeed worst curry houses in London. Uh, <laughs> Rafe Blanford, uh, what what do you do? Uh, well, I, I, actually, let me just let me just run down my little list here. So, uh, born from landed gentry, owns Sussex, yep. 
um, lives in a castle. There we go. I think that's my summary. Like, like much of the rest of this podcast, that's not true at all. Although I was born and bred in Sussex, and I'm very proud of it, and I'm very fond of it. Now living in London, and I work for Digitest LPI, which is our host for this evening. Uh, it's a marketing technology agency. I work in mobile. I've been in mobile for about 15 years. Used to run all about Symbian and various other sites, so was one of the early mobile bloggers and have stayed in the industry and now kind of work on uh, strategy, innovation, delivery of mobile and emerging technology solutions. That sounds awfully fancy because I thought I, I thought back in the day you just used to write ten thousand word blog posts about uh, Symbian dumb phones. That's absolutely true. People needed to know why the Nokia thirty six fifty had a round bottom to it. <laughs> I think, we, and we've all wondered about round bottoms in our time. We have. Okay, enough bottom gags. And for my for my for my sins, my name's Ben. I am a technology consultant, and uh, we used to work. I used to work in the same bank as you, and but I. Uh, that's right thought better of it and one of us had to leave so we both left and now i am uh, working in doing digital services in the public sector so if you live in the uk and you're getting a passport this year i in some small way i will have helped either make that happen or will be to blame if it hasn't happened so uh sorry we did uh, can i just ask we did use the passport service for a young we just had a daughter a little, uh, a little while ago and the we used the online passporting thing was that yours uh, no that's the old one because my one doesn't do children yet Okay. Right. So we're slowly, slowly rolling it out. But of course, as you would expect, uh, children need extra checks and extra care to make sure that the grown-ups who are uh, you know, applying for their passports are legitimate people to get right. their passports. So that's all, Interesting. Com- all coming in due course. But yeah, um, wow. doing digital in the public sector is actually quite exciting and uh, a welcome break from doing mobile for banks. So anyway, uh, enough of all that. Um, hello, we'll talk a little bit more about ourselves mm. over the course of this uh, season because some people have said, well, that's great, but we haven't listened to it all the way through. We don't know much about you. And it's not a very interesting subject, but I suppose it's fair to ask if you're giving us your ears. Uh, so Rafe Blanford, what are we going to actually talk about We're this gonna- episode? actually revisit the smart home in a previous season we had a a challenge to see who could have the smartest smart home which i won and i think i won. Uh, no wait wait wait. i don't think he did i'm i'm pretty sure i did because you copied everything that i had anyway this time i want to talk about kind of what the next step on from what you've been doing since then and actually it's a pretty exciting space because it's become a lot more popular since we've been talking about it there's new products coming out it feels like it's one of those markets that's really come alive and partly that's all around things like alexa and google home being a bit of a gateway drug for people to get into the smart home so i thought it'd be worth revisiting it and talking about some of the success we've had i think one of the most interesting things is how sustainable have our smart homes been because we've had them you know for about 18 months now and uh, how have we been getting on with it and what have been our, our key things that we found out yeah and uh, what credit card alert uh, this is this is going to be an episode where we don't really do consumer advice but we are going to talk about things you can buy so if like me you're easily suggestible just pop that credit card just slightly out of reach uh, for, for the duration of this episode step away from amazon step yes, away from turn amazon. off touch id exactly so uh let's quickly touch on the stuff we have bought and you and mcleod you're up first on the list and you've been shopping in a right. swedish uh, superstore I have. Well, can you guess the name? Begins with I. Well, uh, Ikea. Ikea. Oh, I've told you. Is right, that no, not no. is that not sacrilege living in Denmark? Should you not be shopping in some uh, Scandinavian equivalent? Ah, right. But well, I also live in the Nordics. Right. I think. I think that kind of cancels things out. I think you know. Uh, you know maybe. when you go across that big bridge, Ewan, That's when you go mm-hmm. to Sweden. Yes. Europe, exactly. You- exactly. I think if you if you uh, if you lived in. Um, if you lived in Copenhagen, no. If you lived in yeah. Copenhagen, surely you uh, you should have had uh, wicker furniture. 
okay. Because <laughs> there's something right, yes. rattan in the state of Denmark. Uh, yes, yes, I can see. Yeah, very good. See, the thing is, because new listeners have joined the show, and I can recycle the old jokes. And I mean, none of these are mine anyway, so they're always borrowed. Anyways, you went to IKEA, and why does that matter? Uh, it matters because we were buying quite a lot, so I was able to do some um, some bulk purchasing of the IKEA Tradfree, uh, Tradfree, Tradfree, Tradfree um, smart home stuff. Basically, the, um, I realised that no one would notice, I, no one being my wife, if I bought quite a few of these bulbs and I stuck them in the trolley because we were buying a whole lot of other stuff just to fill out one of the rooms in, in the, the house we've got. Um, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to try this uh, tragedy stuff. I'm going to see if it's any good. Um, it's, I feel it's slightly cheaper than the Philips Hue, which I have been using um, a lot, and they, I'm very satisfied with the Hue. But I thought I would try the IKEA stuff, and I tell you what, it is point-and-click simple. Uh, it was not something point-and-click, but it's really effective, very, very simple. They've designed it really nicely. It is not uh, as extensive, uh, anywhere near as extensive as Philips Hue. Um, in fact, the bulbs um, more or less exclusively are white. Um, there are so you can have different shades of, of white, you know, blue, blue, white, warm, warm white. But it's uh, pretty straightforward. Um, you stick the bulb into your lampshade, and then you you select. You you've had to choose what kind of controller, and there are three different types of controller. I I went for the the, the button pressy one, as a round simple one. Um, you just use a screwdriver, obviously. There's IKEA to open up the back, stick the battery in, and then there's a little. Um, you, you just press a button for a few seconds and ho um, holding the controller next to the bulb, and then it's activated. So there, there's no, if you like, setup. There's no messing around at all. You can set up using the app if you want, but um, everything just works with the light bulb and a controller. And I've got uh, in my study here, I think I've got about eight lights um, all uh, hooked up to this tragedy thing. Really effective. And I, I, di I didn't notice the cost too much. It was quite straightforward. They were, they were expensive bulbs, basically. Uh, and I, I do recommend if you're looking for something just point and click simple, just really, really simple. You just want the ability to switch lights on off quickly or have them automated easily. And I like yeah. your the little controller you've got there is like a hockey yeah. puck sized thing, and it's yeah, got yeah. You know, on, off, up, down, and it, it looks fairly family friendly uh, to it's me. It's really so. I, I've actually what I've done is I've put um, uh, each of uh, I put one of these in every room. So um, I'm upstairs, so my children or two boys each have a little hockey puck controller and that's how they put the lights on and off and it's really good because in um in denmark you don't uh, maybe this is true in the nordics but you don't tend to have a central light right you know um, you know many many houses and at least in the uk there was one central light hanging in the middle of the you know um the ceiling really? and then you might have a, a lamp that's not the case in denmark you do lots of lighting i think it's the hookah you know, the, the thing you keep reading, the hygge. I think it's a hygge thing oh. or a higgy thing if you're um, uh, if you're British. Uh, to, to make things cosy, you have multiple lights, lots of different lights um, going on. Um, so we, uh, one of my sons has um, three lights in his room and it's just really effective. One click and the lights go on, one click, the lights go off. Very straightforward. That's an ex extensive coverage of how light switches work on uh, the 3 <laughs> podcast as well. So, right, uh, but you, mo you mock you. I uh, do. You, you mock... Mock Ben, but actually, I think this is one of the interesting thing about putting in smart lighting is you move away from just being dependent on the lights, which, which of course you can still use. You can have these kind of remotes which you can have anywhere in the room, and actually, I bought a couple myself to be able to control lights in other rooms. Of course, you control them from the phone. You get the voice control as well, 
Um, but actually, without having to do extensive rewiring, that's not actually something that's very easy with a traditional system. So it is one of the benefits. And you know, I have a combination of, I talked about last time, automated system. One of the things I bought is a couple of extra motion sensors. So it's a bit smarter about the way it turns things on and off. And yeah, I had to spend quite a lot of time writing the rules. But now having got that in place, it works really efficiently for me. And so, you know, probably 90% of the time I you know, I, the, the lights will just switch on in response to motion and I press a button nothing at night and everything switches off. But for other people around, having a couple of extra remotes has, has proved to be really handy. So it's one of those things you don't think about and actually it, 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 I guess it's one of those things you don't really need, but it does just make life simple and you wonder, you know, actually going back to having to, oh, got to go over to the light switch is just not the same. Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm less inclined to say light switches are irrelevant, but I do like those physical controllers because oh, it, it's, we, we have tended to put um, Amazon Echoes around the house and they're a convenient way to turn stuff on and off because it's voice activated and you can talk to it from anywhere in the room. How many, by the way, but when you see Amazon Echoes around the house, what are we talking? Uh, we've got uh, one in the kitchen, one in the bedroom and one lined up to go in a communal space like in the playroom. Uh, right, when, well. when we redo it but it, again it, it's the same as you it's for the convenience of turning stuff on and off um, but I, I actually now am a believer in those uh, centralised in, in those sort of light switches that you can you can move around because I think it's all very well oh I can do it on my phone but actually like visitors are not going to install an app in order to turn the yeah. light on in their bedroom um, final question before we move on from the trad free stuff from Ikea uh, compatibility with other stuff you know things that things yeah, that are isn't quite good. yet I, I think technically I think it, it, is it Zigbee um, I need to check but it's not I saw a, a news release saying they were compatible with Philips Hue and um, the Samsung smart things or they were going to be upgraded it, it's, there seems to be a, a delay there have you seen any yeah. news yeah. on that yeah, there has been a yeah. delay on that. They did the release and it was also HomeKit compatibility. Right. And yet, right. actually, it was kind of a premature announcement. Uh, so it is coming and it is using open standards. But it's one of the problems with a lot of these products is when they first get released, you know, they made sure it works with everything within its own branded ecosystem, but not necessarily that wider ecosystem. And, you know, Philip Hue went through a similar thing where they tried to restrict it so it would only be Philip Hue light bulbs would work with their uh, hub system. And, you know, a lot of manufacturers seem to do that. And so it is one of the things to watch out for when you're buying. It does seem that the IKEA system, and I actually like the fact they've also got things like light boxes that you can put on the wall and a couple of it's, other it's products. It's really cool. They're really cool. And yeah, it's yeah. really accessible. It's really easy to use. But the trade-off is that it isn't quite there in terms of working with other things and you don't have that complete o ecosystem. I mean, you have got motion sensors and things like that, but in terms of tying it into the rest of the smart home, not not there yet. And it's a pattern we've seen actually with HomeKit because you had that, Ben. Yeah, I, I did. And I, I struggled to find uh, I struggled to find appliances that, that, that worked uh, on both, you know, because I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be well, initially, I went all in on Apple's HomeKit, and then later on, I've converted. I'll talk about my my SmartThings journey in a minute. But Ewan, um, essentially, uh, anything that's Hue compatible will will link up to all the things that matter because Hue is the the product that works in this right. space. So it'll be compatible soon enough, I guess, is the argument. I, I think that's stuff. what we're hearing, and that should be good. But my recommendation for Tradfree, if you just want to to smart enable a room. Um, or if you want if it for children or for uh, parents that don't really care or, or in fact for partners that don't care like my wife that is not impressed but she will use this stuff I think she won't say to Alexa turn stuff on she just you know but she will use the, the switches okay Rafe Blanford let's move on um, Chateau Blanford uh, obviously uh, which one 
Well, obviously very restricted in all cases because of the very stringent planning laws concerning listed and, and old buildings that have to be retained in their original state. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously yours dates back well to the time when the Blanfords came over from France and uh, invaded much of the South Coast. 1066, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 the Conqueror. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I've got something in my eye. And there are the Blanfords behind going, oh, don't worry, <laughs> we've got this under control. So, Thanks for that, Ben. That's all right. Uh, so I haven't actually done much in the way of new installations of things, but I have, as I re- alluded to earlier, refined the kind of control mechanism uh, with a couple of extra kind of mini moat controllers. Now, you're using smart things as, the, as a controlling hub, and you've got hue lights and what else? Uh, and I've got motion sensors around the place, uh, Netimo and a couple of other kind of smart appliances all linked into the system. And are you, you're, so the rules you're talking about are the rules in smart things. When this thing happens, do that. that. That's right. And there's ones you can do for lighting. And those are what will be referred to as local rules, which actually basically operate instantly, um, which is one of the benefits. But you can have cloud-to-cloud integrations, which is kind of equivalent to if this, then that, and then it connects one cloud uh, to another. And that tends to have a bit of a performance lag. So I've actually, one of the things I've tried to do is move as much to the local processing as possible, including doing some things with uh, smart things applications to integrate better with Alexa and actually give me finer control over what that can do, including the ability to run some of the smart things, what they refer to as routines, which is effectively collections of rules. So you can say kind of good night and it will turn off all the lights. And if you've set any power sockets and you can set a security mode as well and so that also happens when leaving uh, in the morning i've got an option there and by adding in the extra sensors sort of contact sensors on the doors and motion sensors in various rooms it's enabled me to actually get to the point where i basically don't use my smartphone at all to interact with my smart home it's all all done just by walking in and out or some of these uh controllers spot about the place um, i've tried a couple of other things uh Noki, which was one of the uh sort of kickstarter startups uh, there's actually various ones that do this that allow you to tap on the table didn't seem to work very effectively for me um kickstarter things are not a thing i have a we'll have a separate episode indeed, about that yes, I, yes. i've stopped buying prototype me hardware. too me too but Good actually too. the biggest problem i've had was when i went on holiday came back and nothing worked and i thought oh it's rather rather peculiar I'm going to have to touch the light switch again, which was obviously very distressing. I'm very sorry for you, yeah. Uh, it turned out that the batteries had run out in all the smart thing sensors. Right. And so I did what any self-respecting person would do, got my smartphone out, went to Amazon and ordered some new batteries. They arrived the next day, very convenient. I took my sensors apart, put the new batteries in, nothing happened. Like, oh, that seems a bit strange. You should turn this into an anecdote one day. Yes, went, to, went, went onto the uh, SmartThings website. It turns out you have to buy a specific brand of batteries for some of the SmartThings no. sensors. No, yes. no, no, no. That's yes. rubbish. So I bought, you know... I'm uh, sorry, I mean, it's, it's, it's a rubbish thing. It is. It obviously, is. if Rafe Blanford mm. says, it is the truth. I, I'd bought Energizer, thinking <laughs> lasts a long time. Yes. Had, had to be Duracell or Panasonic. Wow. Okay. So, wow. Um, but it's actually one of the things you have to kind of keep the batteries on the hand because otherwise your smart house uh, breaks down very rapidly indeed. How, I was very sceptical about battery-powered smart things in the house. I was thinking, oh, everything's going to have to be wired. That, lots of ugly wires. How long did your batteries last? 18 months. 
Okay, uh, time to dive back to you and McLeod for an Arlo update. Uh, Right. During last season, you were telling us about your new Arlo security cameras. They are battery-powered. Also very dubious about things that are important, like security being relying on batteries. So quick Arlo battery update, please. Right, so Arlo, if you're thinking about getting Arlo, they're really, really good, but do not. They are not for streaming. Now, I think the latest version, you can actually power them from mains. But the uh, the most Arlo cameras, and especially the ones I have, are run. They run on battery. Now the benefit is you can put them anywhere really easily. Just screw the little um, base holder thing in, um, then you stick it, stick it, uh, stick the camera onto that base holder. It's mag- magnetized and it just works really nicely. It's really easy indeed. It's for 10 second typically. Well, that's the default that I use. 10 second recordings. Um, so that it doesn't take up too much battery. So the motion sensor on the camera detects motion, starts recording for 10 seconds, uh, uploads that uh, 10 seconds back to the um, to the internet, so the, to the Arlo cloud, so you can then see it. It's near real time, not exactly real time, but more or less uh, real time. Um, it's fantastic. I really use it, really, really enjoy it. But as long, I think it's perfectly fine, as long as you understand the use case is... 10 second updates you don't street you're not going to watch watch this stuff live you shouldn't do that that'll just drain the batteries really quickly but how, lo- give you how a, long does the battery last so far well my front door so the camera on the front door and that is opening and closing let's so that's activated let's say 10 times a day so 10 times 10 seconds i'd imagine uh, i think that's about average um the battery lasted the batteries there's four in, in it the batteries lasted uh six months yeah. yeah, almost exactly six months. And I, I'm so I'm really thinking about swapping over to the Arlo stuff based on your recommendation. We've got Canary cameras at home. Yeah. Um, primarily, we mentioned this last season. Primarily, they're Coke can-sized devices that we can put on the kitchen counter. When we bought them, we didn't like the idea of having cameras in the house all the time, so we. Um, said we'll get them that we can quickly put them out when we're going away on holidays or something like that because they are convenient to set up and pack away inevitably they've just stayed on the kitchen counter and they're on all the time but they don't integrate with anything the cable is messy it's inconvenient trying to position them so that they can both take a good picture and be near a a powerpoint so yeah definitely thinking that we're going to go arlo uh, based on your based on your recommendation there. Yeah. Um, another update, uh, family members are buying a brand new house. Uh, you'll recall that um, we bought a brand new house four years ago, and I talked about that, how frustrated I was that none of the wiring in the house was in any way suitable for smart appliances. In the UK, we have two-wire wiring, which effectively means when the switch is off, the circuit is broken, and none of these smart devices can get powered. Surely, I thought, a new home being built in 2017... We live in the future. You know, this is 2017. They'll be, they'll, even if they're not putting smart appliances in the house, which they're not, um, this, this house um, is a, a new development and it's getting high-speed fibre to the premises. It's one of those new developments where they're not bothering to put any copper in at all. It's all, you know, living smart. in the future. Fantastic. Like, you know, kind of what you imagine a brand new house would be like. Same bogo standard, two-wire... No smart appliances. Uh, the salespeople all uh, asking about where can we put your Sky satellite TV coaxial connection points. Um, Lovely. And I mean, it just feels like anybody who's remotely uh, associated with building houses or maybe even renovating houses is just m- 
certainly in the UK, is missing a trick at the moment because they're not even thinking. They're not even thinking about where's a good place to put it's your it's really your Wi-Fi. Like yeah. Wi-Fi is now a basic basic human need. I think yeah. for most yeah. people, particularly if you live in you know if you live in a large house or something, you know, getting Wi-Fi around the house is, matters. They're not mm. thinking about that. They're not thinking about smart stuff. So. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, with the family, we'd be talking about what sort of things they want to put in and what's going to be useful to, 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 to the family and accessible to everybody. But I'm still amazed that you can build, you know, and this is not a small house or anything like that. You know, it's the sort of place that it, it has lots of other features that you would associate with, uh, you know, kind of a you know, nice kitchen and nice bathrooms. Mm. And you think, oh, and nice lighting and nice controls and no, no. nothing. So really amazed by that. Um, it's interesting you, you talk about that and kind of that new build problem. Um, just being you don't built, live in anything younger than about a thousand well, years, do you? You, you, you <laughs> say that, but actually we've been um, looking at a, a new workhouse on the estate. And what I mean by that is a, a place... <laughs> For the poor people. No, no, a place where you do work, kind of new home office um, and actually, for those that haven't been in on the estate joke, this is actually where my uh, parents live. And, Chateau uh, Blanford. They're looking to do kind of a new home office. So one of the opportunities has been to say to them, you should really think about um, doing it, it, it with a smart building. And so I've been helping out with that. And yes, fibre to the estate did go in quite recently. So one of the things has been bearing Ethernet He called cables. it the estate. He, he called does. it the yeah. estate. Carry on. Bearing uh, Ethernet cables underground. And they went in with all the other services. And there's you know, the Ethernet points being put around the room, but actually talking to the electrician about doing um, uh, three cable, three wires, so you can do all the controls in the sockets and actually in the back boxes, they're being made extra big so you can put relays in them. The VLUX windows are all going to be able to be remote controlled and various other bits and pieces around the heating and things like that. And so I asked him, you know, how many requests are you getting for this? And he said, it's just not at all common I've only kind of found out about it because you were kind of interested in pushing on it. And so if you're doing it, it has to be something that still feels like it's bespoke. But as you say, it's such a, a big opportunity. And even if you're just doing it from a connectivity point of view, never mind the kind of the uh, smart wiring system that we're talking about and the opportunity for security and cameras, and it's all, all been in there. So I'm very pleased to say it is being specified to be well-connected and to be smart, as well as a, a new owl box for Eric the Owl. <laughs> you see, you don't help yourself with the whole Eric the, whole the estate thing. Um, Eric yeah. the Owl. Um, it's worth noting if you live in the states, all of this will be just a completely baffling to you because you'll have three wire wiring around your house as part of you know standard wiring in in that country. It's just particularly UK, I think, although there probably are other countries that have a similar issue uh, wiring standard. And it, what it really means is that many of the best smart home automation products that are not those kind of ones that go on a counter or plug into a socket um, don't work well for us or we need custom versions of them. Right. It's, it's incredibly I think frustrating. The, the wider point about making sure you've got um, good Ethernet connectivity around the, the building or the room, uh, that still applies. And it's one of the things about, I think we've discovered about the smart home is doing that add-on or that post-install version is always going to be a bit tricky and the most elegant solutions are the ones that kind of get hidden away so it becomes invisible um, and actually that probably brings us to a, a good thing to talk about which is the Lightwave uh, system yeah. which I know there's a new version coming out one of the reasons it's been popular at this point is it's kind of been you replace your existing switches and some of the other things that it does and it has that invisible property but it's been 
proprietary, but Ben, you were telling me there's improvements coming down the pipe. Yeah, so Lightwave was a fantastic product, particularly for those of us that lived in the UK, because it replaced the light switch, it added wireless control, it gave you a button that was a momentary button. And if you're, if you're putting in um, smart home type products, of course, because you, want the, you don't want the button to remember the state. You want to click it on and then click it off again because there are other things that can turn the light on and off remotely. And so, you know, all these little nuances mean that you really want to replace the switches as well as adding in the remote control. Um, Lightwave built a whole set of replacement switches and plugs and those sorts of things that you could sort of aftermarket, take out your light switch, replace it. It was a single unit. It just added in and with a bit of a gateway, an app, the app worked. But as Rafe says, it was completely proprietary. Um, they're releasing a whole new set of products. They're all going to be HomeKit certified, so they're going to work with uh, Siri and all the Apple products. They should also work with Echo and those sorts of things. But the fantastic thing there is that if you live in a house like ours, or actually like yours, you and I can see over your shoulder, you've got lots and lots of lights where yeah. putting in Hue-type bulbs just isn't economic, um, or yeah. you need uh, something that's a little bit more family-friendly. Here, you can buy a smaller number of, of of switches and these will control those circuits and it's it's absolutely fantastic really um, cool I, I like the sign of it a and, lot and they're going to be stocked in the apple store so they're all being properly endorsed and it's it's a much more sort of consumer ready proposition because you can go in and it's a bit like buying a light switch in a hardware store you could say oh i want the metal one or i want the white one or you know i want the bronze one whichever style matches your home and it feels just like replacing the switch but it adds all of that smartness as well and for the first time lightwave devices will report their status so it's really important if you've got home automation kit that you can look in the app or you can set a rule that says if it's on or if the light's already on, then do this or turn it back off again. But with the old Lightwave stuff, all you could do was send commands and you didn't know what state it was in. So I'm really looking forward to, to, to that coming onto the market. I think it's going to be a bit spendy, but I'll be popping it in my house. I have a, I have a large open plan kitchen and I really want to make all of the lights around that room much easier to control in sort of scenes. Um, and so this is, I think it's going to be a great way to do it. Yeah, and it's it, it's interesting because one of the things they're doing is the HomeKit compatibility. And I think that's the other thing that's been apparent since we last talked about the smart home is Apple, um, I wouldn't say relaxed, but has sort of changed some of the ways that HomeKit certification happens. And when they first started out, actually, they were quite strict in what they would certify. There were sort of hardware requirements it as made well as software. slow and expensive to exactly. get to the market. And actually what, what they've done now is they've kind of relaxed some of the requirements around it and particularly they've sped up certification as well and now there are well over a hundred home kit compatible products and it, it's definitely fair to say that if you live in the apple ecosystem and use their kind of home app you can get a pretty good experience by using and going for home kit compatible systems i think one of the reasons we all chose smart things first time round was because it enabled us to connect the disparate things together and kind of have that unified control uh, interface and it's definitely the advantage of those kind of hub of hubs types approaches but uh, HomeKit now is starting to get to the point where it feels like it's possible to recommend it and you're not having to make too many compromises about the kind of things that you'll be able to put into your smart home so when i did the smart home challenge i said i was going to go all home kit because i thought that was the right standard it was baked into the ios operating system so it was there in all the prompts it, it was fully in, it was really well integrated apple took security seriously they mandated that everything was properly encrypted and they checked it and i thought that that this is kind of the ecosystem you're going to want to buy into but then i went to go and buy some devices and it just cost a load of money it was really 
Uh, it was really frustrating how few devices there were. And then when we did the uh, the, the smart home challenge, and I, I based mine around Christmas, and I just wanted to have loads of those plug-in lights just turning Christmas trees and decorative lights on and off. Um, I had to go and set up a Raspberry Pi to be you know, sort of a server to control these lights and to fake up that all of these cheap Wi-Fi plugs that I bought, you know, they weren't HomeKit enabled. It need to make Siri see them. You know, it was it was really complicated. And although obviously I won the smart home challenge, um, you know, um, by doing that, it definitely was only seasonal. You know, you could do that for a couple of weeks for some fun, but you wouldn't want to rely on that all day every day. It's not uh, ongoing. Yeah. Uh, well, certainly, uh, you know, kind of, it's not a, it's not a very f- a very resilient uh, solution and any bit of it could fail and, and then you're left without lights so i'm really glad they've improved this certification process um and and i now am only buying stuff that works both with apple HomeKit and with uh, amazon's ecosystem because actually the voice control for me is the most important thing right now yeah and i'd agree for me in just the day-to-day use um whether it's through google home or amazon echo um, or indeed kind of the assistance on the phones themselves, whether that's uh, Google Assistant, Cortana or um, Siri, that I think remains the most popular way for me to kind of issue the slightly more complex commands or the, the stuff that I haven't automated so it just happens without me having to do anything. And I've noticed actually in that space, we're starting to see some of the developments we talked about early on that uh, Microsoft and Amazon recently announced that you'd be able to access Alexa and Amazon from each other respectively. And I, I think that's kind of interesting to think about, particularly when you think about those assistants also existing on your phone or your computer and being able to not have to worry about who you're talking to to get at calendar information or start doing some of the productivity type tasks that Cortana is more focused on. And obviously, I think it's we're not going to see that universally, but the fact that there's kind of this sense that they are agnostic on, you know, the assistance that you want to be able to access, that to me is kind of interesting. Uh, well, my children absolutely love the, um, the their, I'm trying not to say it, the echo, trying not to say the A word. Oh, I, th- um, I think that ship has sailed in this podcast. I think, I think it might have been me. Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, sorry. The, yeah, they love the, the, the echoes. Um, we have a Sonos. In the uh, in the same room in the in the living room, we also have the 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 Amazon Echo. Never do do the children obviously touch the Sonos. Never, right? Because you need a phone to activate it to do anything with it. So they always go for the Amazon Echo. Obviously, so rarely do we use the Sonos. Okay, so we are rapidly finding that things like the Echo are the gateway drug. And so that's yeah. defining what we're buying. And that's why I'm so excited about Lightwave, which is going to work with all of them and give me more flexibility. I just wanted to talk about one other change that I've made. Um, so we all... Actually, let's just review. All of your stuff is Wi-Fi driven, is it, Rafe? Uh, mine's mostly Zigbee driven for within the smart home. And then kind of some of the extension products are still Wi-Fi based. And you're all Wi-Fi, Ewan, are you? Your, I think so. I your, wouldn't, well, smart, bulbs, smart aren't things. Aren't yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, and I think actually by by stealth or rather than design, we're all landing up on the same solution. And I I completely had everything. Uh, all my Siri controlled devices were either Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, and they kept dropping off my. They kept dropping off the network. I found that behind the cupboard where I where I really want to have that one light switch for our for our bedroom is the place in our house that has the worst Wi-Fi connection, and it kept dropping, and it was becoming very very frustrating because Wi-Fi 
well, I either I either put loads more Wi-Fi access points in the house, which was going to be, you know, it was doable, but it was a significant investment of effort, um, just really to get the Wi-Fi in places where it was where it was poor quality. Um, and actually, I've taken a different stance, which is uh, I've taken out all the Wi-Fi devices and I've gone completely Zigbee. Uh, and I didn't really think that standard would make any difference, but it's a smart home standard, and it works more quickly, it's much more resilient, and some of my plugs, some of my SmartThings plugs that I've switched for um, the TP-Link Wi-Fi plugs that I used to have, have, yeah. rep- have repeaters in them. So in the bedroom, that corner where the Wi-Fi signal didn't reach, well, it reaches now because there's another plug across the other side of the room repeating the Zigbee signal. And so I've, got, I've literally thrown the SmartThings hub under the stairs in our house, in a probably in a terrible location because there's you know really poor um, uh, signal propagation, you know, from being all surrounded by all kinds of junk and and that kind of stuff. But it all works. It's just really robust and really resilient. And when you plug it when after a power cut or if you turn it off, it comes back on and just works straight away. So that's my other tip: is uh, Wi-Fi is cheap, but it's for a reason. But it's interesting. There is definitely a bit of a trend coming on for some cheaper items in the smart home emerging. And I don't want to call it quite commoditization yet, but I noticed that Anchor the other day kind of unveiled or have recently done their UFI, E-U-F-Y brand, in which they've introduced a basically Amazon uh, dot clone that you can pick up for about 35 uh, US dollars. They also do a robot vacuum cleaner for about $200 or so. Um, when you get it on a good deal, uh, sort of smart scales and and, and promise and other products. And Anchor is kind of beloved of those people looking to buy a quick cable or a USB battery like charger. Anchor. Yeah, and you know yeah. you get a certain level of quality, but they've also you know it's 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 not quite a sell them cheap, pile them high model because um, actually the quality is pretty good. But the fact that companies like that are starting to get into the smart home space does tell me something about the fact they're presumably expecting to get a certain volume of sales and attracting a certain type of customer. And I think IKEA getting into that space you know, is the same thing. It always used to be. You sat there going, I can't really justify spending 50 quid on a Philips Hue light bulb. And even they have launched their kind of entry-level range, which is admittedly only you can control the color temperature of the white bulbs but that's good enough for most people and they start now at sort of 15 pounds or so and so it's gone from being something that was a bit of a, a luxury and you had to be an early adopter now to something that feels like it's well not mass market it's certainly getting over that kind of um you know chasm of disappointment that i think a lot of smart home stuff had for the last few years yep i'm i'm basically my checklist is now does it work with smart things which is my which is my controller and if it does can it be is it zigbee or something non-wi-fi because that's a more reliable uh, control mechanism and then after that can i set up some rules for the echo so that i can do a uh, voice control of it because the, there's quite good integration between the echo and smart things but i want to make sure that it has you know sort of it's going to fit into our lives and at the moment we're doing Really simple stuff, you know, lights and presence detectors and things. Or I got the little Samsung uh, presence detectors on the key ring, little key fobs. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I, I put one on a key ring and I stuck one in the glove compartment of our car. And I thought, this is never going to work. Like, you know, these things are tiny and they run off batteries. And, you know, presence detection is really hard to do. And it's always notoriously unreliable. It's good enough. It's not perfect, but it, it, it triggers within it, a minute. It, it or couldn't, yeah, that's important. It triggers within a minute or two. And, and actually... I did presence detection for me based on my iPhone 
to turn all these lights and things that we've got now got set up on and off and um it, it it's only a matter of seconds quicker on an iPhone, which is connecting to the network and has got you know rich geolocation type mm, of stuff mm. built in. So it's incredibly powerful, and I think that now this stuff is beginning to get to the point where regular people can make it do useful stuff without breaking the bank. Yeah, so I think it, it's great that we've kind of reviewed where we got, and it's interesting that all of us have stuck with a smart home and indeed have added new things to it. Now, yes, we're early adopters, but it's definitely something I appreciate having and it's made my life easier. The fact that I sort of don't really think that much now about switching lights on, they just turn on when I get home. You know, it's one click to turn everything off at night. It's just an easier process. I haven't yet got really into some of the appliances, the security thing I definitely want to uh, investigate a little bit more. It still has, I would say, some resiliency and robustness problems. Um, and it does, it does fall over. You have to be honest about that. But I think it's you know, been a very satisfying continuation of the challenge. Uh, but we did have a challenge for that season, Ben. Are we going to have a challenge for this season? Oh, it feels like Rafe has read the script, the preparation. It's hard to believe this is prepared. The script. It feels like Rafe Blanford has read ahead and he knows what's coming. So um, we have got, um, well, first, let's talk about next episode first, actually, because I think that we'll, we'll talk about this season's big challenge next week. We're going to be right. doing, we're going to be doing okay. something very exciting with a buzzy topic and it's all very <laughs> it's all very exciting and we're all going to be millionaires by christmas i think is very exciting but in that case we should do something a lot more ephemeral in the meantime well, so specific challenge just for next week and and the 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 the, uh, the the previous challenges you and you've always cheated at so i want you to take this one that, seriously come on come on that is not accurate next next week next week when we come back we're going to be talking about um social media um, we're obviously we're Excellent. all social media experts because we've all grown up with it, and mm. uh, we're going to share our rich, deep understanding of the subject with uh, with the listeners. Sorry in advance, uh, but we're going to be doing some Snapchat. So none of us, none of us really know how to do the Snapchat. Um, excuse me. Hang on a second. Hang none on. Of, no, no, no. no us... I'm not. I'm not standing for that. You old people. He's claiming he's young. Snapchat, but I, I'm a millennial. I'll have you know. Are you? Yeah. Just. Yeah, just <laughs> like, like by about four months. Right, yeah. Blanford, I have I have looked at your Instagram feed, and you are standing next to oh, yeah. historical artifacts, railways, and concrete structures, pointing at them enthusiastically far too frequently to claim any any membership of a young person club. Ben, it's a constructed identity that gives a, the right impression that I want to purvey on the uh, social media pipes. R- Snapchat. Right, Blanford's obviously... telling me about his personal brand. <laughs> Snap, hang on a minute. Did you just mock my personal brand? I did. Do I have a personal brand? Anyway, you do, Snapchat, you do. it's very exciting. Everyone's using it. It's one of the very first, I would describe it as kind of mobile first uh, products born for the mobile native generation, which is why Ben doesn't really get it because he's old now. Um, Ewan won't get it because he's got executive hair. Um, but for Thank those you. of us who understand Snapchat, but I think that's the perfect opportunity to have... 361 do snapchat to try and understand what all the fuss is about because whatever else you say um, you see a lot of brands using it a lot of people talking about evan spiegel a lot about the kind of product definition it's used by 200 million plus people under 30 so i have (laughs) never used snapchat oh this is going to be exciting never made an account and i genuinely don't understand what it is or how it works so for the benefit of uh, the benefit of the listeners, we're going to make Snapchat accounts. We're going to try and work out what it is. And if you are 
old and baffled like us or enjoy listening to people who are old and baffled like us. Uh, next week, <laughs> we're going to be talking about uh, how we do social media, how that our worldview on that has changed a bit. And also, we're going to be looking at Snapchat and trying to work out how how it works and indeed Brilliant. We can have a what it is. A what? I, no, I don't. A streak. I, that's not a thing that sounds like no, it no, would be it's, nice. It's a good thing. It's a Snapchat thing. Okay, thank oh, you. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. We're going to need to draw it to a close before Ralph Blanford takes his clothes off. Thank you to our friends at Digitas LBI for access to this recording facility and access to Ralph Blanford's expertise. Um, thank you to all our Patreon subscribers. While we were away, a couple of people subscribed. Thank you very much. Oh, all that, kind of Hello. All of that money that you give uh, goes to the costs of making the show and the equipment we record it on. And um, if you would like to support us, you can go to 361podcast.com where there's a link to Patreon there. You can also go to the website where there's contact forms to send us an email, either message either in public or private. And you can find our uh, social links uh, at 361podcast on Twitter. We're also on Facebook and LinkedIn if you'd like. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, gents. It's been a pleasure. Thank Pleasure you. as always, Ben. Indeed. And uh, I'm going to go off and buy some more expensive home automation equipment now and uh, pretend it was a lot cheaper than it actually was. As so, you should. I will be back next week if my wife doesn't get too cross. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.